well, what we're going to do today is we are going to cap off our series we've been in called Church in 3D, where we've been walking through what we call a rhythm for life here at Antioch, and that is our steps, right? And what we've been saying is, is that if these steps become how we live, not just a list that we recite, but how we live, that it will catapult us not just into more of who God has called us to be, but it also will catapult us into more kingdom impact around us. It's impossible to live this rhythm and not be transformed and see transformation happen around you. So let's read them together with conviction, boldness, and just a lot of volume, all right? So these are our steps. Encounter, matter, belong, grow, and build. And here, look, I've said this every single week, and you're going to hear me say it time and time again. I don't want you just to be able to recite a list to me. I don't just want you to be like, oh, yeah, our steps encounter, matter, belong, grow, and build. We want these things to actually live inside of you because when they live in you, they birth questions that are not just for you but for those who are around you. Sometimes we get the question, how do I get discipled at Antioch? You live this rhythm, and this rhythm will birth questions that leads to discipleship conversations, which is just a church word for saying people helping you get unstuck. And when you're living this rhythm, you're like, okay, I've got these questions. Are you encountering God? Are you touching touching something that's touching others? Are you mattering? Are you attending or are you belonging? Is this a family to you or is this just a place that you just kind of hang out on a Sunday morning? Are you belonging here? Are you growing? Are you taking advantage of the opportunities to lean into healing and transformation? Right? And and are you building? Are you inviting other people into the journey? Colossians 2 says this in verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your life in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. The steps are a framework for us to be built up and strengthened in our faith so that we can be overflowing in thankfulness. These are a rhythm for us. And although this series comes to an end, this is the beginning of a rhythm that will never end. And we hope that this becomes language for you in your relationships and in your life group where you're sitting down with people and you're like, you know what? I need to move forward in my life. And these questions come up in your mind. Am I encountering God? Am I touching something that touches others? Am I attending or am I belonging? Am I taking advantage of healing? And am I inviting other people in the journey? And those questions alone are going to catapult you out of where you are and throw you into who God's called you to be. If you have a Bible, I want you to jump with me to Genesis 29. I hope you came ready to hear the word of God this morning because I'm going to be mowing through a ton of scripture today. Is that okay with you? All right. And and so I'm going to do my best to pronounce all the words right and and say all the names right. But, But my main concern is not if I know how to say the names correctly, but you get what God is trying to tell us in this story. And in Genesis 29, starting in verse 21, what we're going to find is that when we lose sight 
of what we are building, we will oftentimes not enjoy what we built. Can I say that one more time? When we lose sight of what we are building, we are oftentimes not going to enjoy what we built. Verse 22, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. It was Mother's Day. She was sad. He's like, Lord, give her some children. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant, and the babies jostled each other within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? She just wanted to get pregnant. She didn't realize that God had a destiny for her babies. Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, there are two nations in your womb. Two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first came out and was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. If someone, if someone nicknames you Esau, probably should shave your back. I'm just going to... Throw that out there. If somebody throws that, what's up, Esau? Go ahead, get yourself some clippers. Help everybody else, okay? His body was like a hairy garment. I'm going to go ahead and say that's not an encouragement, okay? That's not an encouragement. So his name was Esau. After this, his brother came out, and his hand was grasping Esau's heel, and so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 Years old when Rebekah gave birth. And the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful, skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home and play on his iPad among the tents. And Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He was hungry. And he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I am famished. And Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. I'm about to die. Die. What good is a birthright to me? Yeah, because sometimes when you forget that you're building, you end up building something and then you look back and you don't enjoy what you built. What? What good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore on an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew, and he ate and drank, and then he got up and left. And so Esau despised his birthright. Now, what I want us to do is I want you to jump to Genesis 27. Because what I want you to see is another picture of what happens in this relationship. Jump with me to Genesis 27, because what we're going to see is another part of this story that plays out. And what's going on here is that Jacob, the youngest son, is now dressed up in fur so that he would be a hairy garment. And he's rolled around in the dirt so he would smell like he had spent his life outside 
hunting wild game. And his dad at this point was getting ready to die. Isaac was super old and he couldn't see anymore. And so Jacob's plan was to sneak in and fool his father into thinking that he was not the second born, but the firstborn. So that his father would then give him the blessing, the birthright that belonged to Esau, but was sold to Jacob because of a craving. This is what it says in verse 30. Jacob finished blessing him. And then Jacob, or I'm sorry, Isaac finished blessing Jacob and he left his father's present. And then his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father and then said to him, my father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. And his father Isaac said, who are you? I'm your son, he answered. Your firstborn Esau and Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it because you came and I blessed him and indeed he will be blessed. Now, now you need to understand that this firstborn blessing meant a whole lot more to these dudes than it means to us. Because, look, I'm the firstborn in my family, and you know what blessing I got for being the firstborn was more spankings than all of my other siblings combined, a job at 14. I had to buy my own everything as my baby brother has still paid for nothing. Okay? That's what my birthright gave me. Okay, this is a very different time, very different age, because, look, this birthright... What, what was, was, was not just monetary blessing, but it was also spiritual covering and authority. To receive the blessing as the firstborn, you became the priest in your family, the leader of your tribe. This was a big deal, not a small deal. And that's why Isaac is trembling violently because he understands he has been deceived. And once he has blessed, he can't take it back. And Esau heard his father's words in verse 34. He burst out with a loud and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me. Bless me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and he took your blessing. And Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob, which means deceiver? And this is the second time that he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Then Isaac answered Esau, I have made him Lord over you. And I have all of his relatives and his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too. And Esau wept loud. We're always building. Hear me, we're always building. We just don't always like what we've built. We're always building. We just don't always like 
what we've built. When Liz and I got married, which is going to be 18 years this month, 18 years, all right? And I still think she's smoking hot. You know what I mean? And, and, and when we first got married, we, we were po. We're not even poor. You feel me? Like we couldn't even afford to say the word poor. And we, we were renting this little two-bedroom condo in Waco where we were living at the time. And we, we had no money for furniture. Like our kitchen table was from the house that I lived in in college. We had folding chairs for chairs. Our couch was given to us by her grandmother. You know, I mean, like we, we didn't have anything. So really the only thing we could do was spend the little money that we did have on paint. You know, it's like, well, let's just make it our own. Now, look, for all of you who are over the age of 40, you might remember a day when houses had color in them. Now everything is white, thanks to Joanna Gaines. But there was a day when, when like, rooms had, like, color, okay? And this was in the heyday of rooms with color. And so we go to the paint shop, and we pick out, like, oh, cool, this is going to be a cool red. We're going to paint this room red. And if this would be a cool blue, we're going to paint this room blue. And then Liz sees this orange color, and she's like, oh, this is the best color. J.D., let's do our kitchen in this color. Please, can we do our kitchen? This is going to be so fun. This will be beautiful. I'm like, babe, hey, if that's what you want to do, I will do it. So here's the deal. I was committed to having everything painted before we got married so that we could move in and everything would be done. All right? That was my goal. So I'm busting it. Okay? Now, have you ever painted a kitchen? All right? That, that's some tedious stuff, man. All right? Like, that, that is not like an easy job. There, there are so many things to, to, to tape and, and, you know, like, and, and so it took me forever to paint this little bit of kitchen. And, and as I start painting the walls and I see the color, I'm like, woo, this is, this is a color. It's more, this is more of like a traffic cone, orange, or, or like, you know, the vest that those guys wear when they want you to see them and not, like, hit them when they're working. Yeah, so I'm painting. I'm just like, dude, this is, like, okay. But I'm just keeping it to myself. Liz loves it, you know. She loves this. It's going to be great. So I finish. Finish the kitchen. Clean up everything. You know, you know that feeling? It feels good. You, you, clean up, you clean up the big mess you made from painting, and I'm just like, oh, man, this is just fantastic. This is, oh, she's going to love it. I call them like, hey, babe, come check out the kitchen. You are going to love it. It is exactly the color that you said you liked. <laughs> and so she comes into the kitchen, and she's like, whoa, this is bright. I'm like, yeah, I've been in here for a couple of days, and it feels like the walls are punching hope and life out of my soul. I'm aware. Have you ever been in a color that punishes you? You know, like this kitchen was like punishing. You get in there and you're just like, ooh, I just got to endure. Like I just have to. But I just kept telling myself like Liz loves it, you know. And then she comes in and she's like, oh, this is horrible. I can't live here. I'm like, no, no, no. You picked this. I, I, this is, look, I, I'm, I'm nothing against traffic cones, but like when I saw it, I was like, okay, 
but this was your idea. She's like, uh-uh, no. I think this was your idea. And this is a horrible color. And I'm getting a headache just being in here. I'm like, no, I know. I've had a headache. I've been in here. And she says, well, you got to change it. I'm like, but you, this is what you said you wanted. No, 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 no. You got to fix this. You need to fix it. And she just leaves. And so I'm like, oh, my God. You know, so immediately I'm thinking, okay, is she really the one? There's still time. <laughs> you know, you're not locked in yet, bro. Like, you know, like, if this is emblematic of the years to come, get out! But after I kind of calmed down a little bit, I, you know, I, I was like, I called her. I'm like, look, okay, just go, go get another orange that's more like softer and not so violent. So she goes and gets this other orange, and I have to repaint the whole kitchen. You know, and it ended up being really pretty. It was, it, it was really pretty. But you know what I learned? I learned is that sometimes you don't know what it's going to look like until you're done. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you, you don't know. You don't know the impact of what it is that's going to happen until, until you're completely finished with it. And then you look at it and you're like, yo, I don't know if this is actually what I wanted. And you could have picked it out, planned it out, and then all of a sudden you see it completed and you're like, no, I didn't pick that out. Why? Because sometimes we forget that we're building and then we end up building something that we don't like. Because we're always building. We're always building. Sometimes you can't see it until it's over. In the story of Jacob and Esau, Esau gave away his birthright because he was hungry. In the moment, that didn't feel like a big deal. He even said, look, what good is a birthright for me? I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. His birthright, man. He gave it away because he was hungry. He was so focused on what he needed in the moment that he, he couldn't even see that he was actually building his future. Hear this. Your cravings can cost you everything. Your cravings can cost you everything. One of the hardest things in life is when you come to those moments when you're faced with what you missed out on. Because in a moment, you thought you couldn't live without something, and it ended up costing you everything. This is a familiar story at the end of life. Nobody, as they're lying on their deathbed, wishes they would have spent more time in the office. Wishes they would have spent more time on the golf course. No, they never wish for that. They wish for what? More time with my family. Because sometimes you can't see you can't see what you built sometimes until it's too late. Right. Yeah. You can't even see what you're investing in sometimes when you're investing in it, and your cravings will tempt you to sell everything. And Esau was weeping, man. I mean, look, he was begging his dad for a blessing, and, and he was feeling the regret of giving his blessing, his birthright, what was rightfully his. Because of a momentary craving. Life is full of momentary cravings that will cost you way more than you paid for them. Life is 
full of momentary cravings that will cost you way more than you paid for them. And for Esau, at the time, giving up his birthright, when he gave it up, it felt small. It didn't feel like that big of a deal because his craving for food was bigger than his vision for his future. Esau's decision built what he received. He built that. His brother didn't trick him. His bad decisions built that. Even how he responds, he did it again. He's always deceiving me and stealing from me. No, bro, you made the choice. But your craving, it, it, stir, it, it stirred you, steered you, steered you. Way to make the point, Griff. It stirred you. Steer, and I don't want steered. I want the other word. We'll go with steered. It no stirred, because it'll be remembered. It stirred you, and everybody's going to remember it like, that's not a word, J.D. I'm like, that's okay. I just, I, we can, it's my truth. We can add it these days. It's 2021. It stirred you. His craving stirred him. <laughs> no, I can't do it. It steered him. His craving steered him away from what it was rightfully his because of a momentary craving. That's why he missed out. Not just because he was deceived, but because of the decisions he made. Because you're always building. And he got to the end and realized that's not the color. And God's like, no, that's the color. That's what you picked out. That's what you picked out. You're like, no, I didn't pick this out. Fix it. God's like, no, that's. Bowl of soup, your color. You're always building. You're always building. Esau's craving cost him everything. All he was feeling in the moment was just that he was hungry and he wanted to eat. But he wasn't just consuming he was building his future. What God wants us to hear today is that we, we can't be consumers. We have to be builders. You hearing me? We can't just be consumers. We have to be builders. We, we can't live our lives looking just as far as our next meal. We can't live our lives just looking as far as our next fix. The, 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 the getting satisfied for that next craving. No, we, we need to be builders. We, we don't need to be consumers because we need to be concerned with the vision that God has for our life, not just the moments that we're in. Only seeing today, only aware of today's issues. Hear me, this is going to touch some stuff. Only aware of today's issues. Only aware of today's drama? No, no, no. Our lives have to be set for seeing something that's bigger than the moments we're in. 
Esau's birthright was huge. Esau's daddy was Isaac. You know who Isaac's daddy was? Abraham. It does not get any better than that when it comes to first blessing. His granddaddy's promise was everybody in the world is going to be blessed by you. The in all people, it says, all people are going to be blessed through you. That's his family lineage. That is the, the size of his birthright. And his craving took it from him? A craving? I mean, you look at the stars in the sky and you look at a bowl of soup and you're like, this doesn't even compare. The promise is that the offspring of the line of Abraham would be so big that it would outnumber the stars in the sky, but there's this little bowl of soup on a table and you're going to take this instead of that? But that's what your cravings will do to you. Your cravings will blind you and all you can see is what's in front of you. And you start thinking like, oh, this is the only thing that matters. Listen to Esau's language. He says, what good is that? Well, what good is it? What good is it if, if, I, if I get all this, if I die? Esau's birthright was huge, and he sold it cheap. And all that was in his family line for him to step in, all the resource, all the provision, all the position, all the influence, it was gone. Because listen, what he was feeling got bigger than the vision he was seeing. He started looking in here versus looking up there. Think about it. If he would have started looking at the stars, do you think he would have made it another 100 yards to his own kitchen? What he was feeling got bigger than the vision he was seeing. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will. Look, this verse is not just for us to find healing for our father issues. Although that is a powerful aspect of this scripture. But we have to understand that God puts the lonely in families. Amen. That he sees us in the tender places of abandonment and he rescues us and he knits us into his family. And he is a good father and he takes care of us. But this is also a statement about our birthright. In the family of God, this is a statement of our birthright. Right. Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with what? Every. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. In love, he predestined us for us to be adopted, brought into his family through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. In Jesus, we're not just in good standing with God. We're knit into the family of God. 
Jesus actually put it this way, his own words, John 17, 10. All I have is yours. All I have is yours. English does not do justice for what Jesus just said in John 17, 10. We read this and we're like, oh, yeah, cool. All I have is yours. No, but we know what that means. That means all. All. All he was, his nature, his teaching, his power, his wisdom, his patience. All that he was, all he cared for, all that was in his heart, he has given to us. And Jesus, we have access to this huge birthright that the kingdom of heaven would invade earth. And we have been given the invitation to do that with him. To to say, you know what, I'm not just going to consume and just run after the cravings that are in me, but I'm going to be about building heaven all around me because we're always building and I don't know about you I want to look back and be proud of the kitchen and not be surprised by the color are you hearing me as followers of Jesus our birthright is to see heaven established on earth and I think if Esau was here today I think if Esau was standing on the stage with me today and we gave him the mic, this is what he would say. He would say, your cravings can cost you everything. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Your cravings can cost you everything. Listen to Hebrews 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau. Who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Your cravings can rob you of your birthright. Your cravings for lust can steal your birthright. Your cravings for power can steal your birthright. Your cravings to not protect your eyes and ears can cost you your birthright. To not deal with the bitterness that's in you can cost you your birthright. To not deal with the brokenness that's in you will cost you your birthright. To not deal with that spirit of revenge that you have in you will cost you your birthright. The cravings that are in us that draw us to those things will cost us everything. If our eyes get turned off of the vision and focus just on us, then we will say no to all I have is yours for a little bowl of soup. To feel good for about 15 minutes. Feel better for about a minute. Oh, I just got to say it. I got to say it. You feel better for about a minute. 
You spread some gossip to somebody. Oh, God, I got to say, feel better for about a minute. Oh, you have the corner on the market for what God is saying for the church and everyone around you. Then you spray it on some people. You feel better for about a minute. Your cravings can cost you. Your cravings can cost you, but, but hear me. When you can't see what you're building, your cravings are tempting. When you can't see what you're building, your cravings are tempting. But, but when your eyes go from looking at what you feel to the vision that God has for you, your cravings fade in the shadow of the bigness of your birthright. Hear me. Cravings end when kingdom building begins. Cravings end when kingdom building begins. So, so how do we build? How do we do it? If we want to get rid of cravings, how do we do it? It's simple. You live a rhythm in your life that points you to the bigness of God in the faces of temptations, of cravings. And that rhythm is simple, like encounter. Encounter God. Spend time with Jesus. Matter. Touch something that's going to touch somebody else. Belong. Don't just attend somewhere. Belong to a people. Grow. Get healed up so we can grow up. And we have to start building. We have to start living our lives for those around us and not just us. Look, we want to make it really simple around here. If you call Antioch home, if you're here or you're watching online and you're like, man, Antioch's my church. We are all today going to make a commitment together. Can we all make a commitment together? We're all today going to make a commitment together. And that commitment is called the two for 52. Because we want to be builders, right? We, we want our lives to revolve around more than just the temptations and cravings that we feel and get focused on the bigness of the God that we get to serve and do life with. And so we're saying, you know what? Two weeks out of the year, we're going to bring someone to church. Two for 52. Can we all do that? Can we, can we make that just like our language? Like two for 52. Two weeks out of the year, we're going to bring somebody to church. And you're like, man, I don't even know how to do that. Can I give you step one to your two for 52? Make a list of the people in your life that don't know Jesus and pray for them every day. Pray for them every single day by name. You got to pray before you can invite. You hear me? If you want an invitation to turn into transformation, it takes some groundwork. And that groundwork is you got to pray for them every single day. And I want you to wake up and be like, here's my list. Here's my two for 52 list. Here's my list. I'm going to pray for them every single day. Look, I'm always looking for tools that will help me be more consistent in my prayer life. Anybody else? Like, I, I, it's not so much at times a desire for me to, like, pray, but it's often that I just forget what I'm supposed to pray for. Right now, can I tell you my two for 52 on my two for 52 list is my neighborhood. All right. I legitimately believe this is just a window into my soul. I do legitimately believe that the street that I live in is supposed to be the most saved spiritual street in the entire city. So if you drive down our street, you're like, whoa, something is different here. So I got introduced 
to this, this thing called Bless Every Home. And it's so cool. It's like a website. And they've like, you can go in there and type your address in. And it'll actually remind you to pray for your neighbors. It's so cool. And so every day I get an email. Boom, my neighbors, I'm praying for them. Praying for them by name. Why? Because when kingdom building begins, craving ends. And I want to look back on my life and be like, yeah, I painted that kitchen that color. I did do that. Right? I want to have a rhythm that's going to catapult me, not just into more, but into people experiencing more of God. Man, what's a better story than people that are broken around you encountering the Jesus that's in you? What's better than that? What's better than that? Than than the, the hurting that's going on in our city to get absolutely just run up against the power of a church that says, I'm going to pray for you, man. I'm going to pray for you by name. I'm going to invite you to church. You're going to meet Jesus there, and it's going to do something in you. And I'm going to invite you on a journey, man, and we're going to encounter God together, and we're going to serve together, and we're going to become a family together. We're going to get healed up together. And guess what? You're going to be a part of building this thing with us. Man, what is better than that? Nothing. A momentary craving? A momentary fear, a momentary concern, a a, a momentary temptation to look at something that's only going to feel good for a minute, to say something that's only going to feel good for a minute. No, that's not going to satisfy nothing. I don't want to be like Esau at the end of my life, weeping loudly, thinking about everything that could have been. I want to build, man. I want to build the kingdom of heaven right now. Right now. I want to see heaven to come to earth right now. Not next month, right now. I want to see people saved right now. I want to see people set free of addictions right now. I want to see families that haven't talked to each other in years get restored right now. That's why we're doing this. Our church exists to see transformation happen in our city that's why our church exists and what this rhythm what this whole series is is a rhythm for transformation that's what it is we could talk about what we want to do until we're blue in the face but until we know how to do it it doesn't matter you know how we do it we live the steps We commit to the two for 52. Why? Because the steps come alive in you when you're believing for God to do something through you. It always works that way. It always works that way. So get a list. Can we commit to do that? Can we commit to say like, I'm in for the two for 52. I'm in for that. Tell your life group, I'm in for it. I'm in for the two for 52. And let's see God do what only God can do as he builds his church. Amen? Stand to your feet.